This episode contains explicit content regarding a child and may be uncomfortable for some listeners. The following podcast contains explicit content and is not suitable for all listeners. Obsessive love disorder, or OLD, refers to a condition where you become obsessed with one person you think you may be in love with. You might feel the need to protect your loved one obsessively, or even become controlling of them as if they were a possession. Symptoms of OLD may include an overwhelming attraction to one person, obsessive thoughts about the person, feeling the need to protect the person you're in love with, possessive thoughts and actions, extreme jealousy over other interpersonal interactions, low self-esteem. While no separate medical or psychological classification exists for OLD, it can often accompany other types of mental health illnesses and should be taken seriously. On July 14, 2019, a 17-year-old social media influencer was brutally murdered by a friend after attending a concert. Pictures of her slain body circulated by her murderer caused an internet sensation, and made headlines all over the world. This is the story of Bianca Devins. I'd like to start this episode by announcing that I have hired a friend to help with the research of some episodes going forward, just as my personal life and career have become a bit stressful in these past couple of months. I'm not sure how many episodes she will be helping with ongoing, but for now, she will be handling the research for some of my upcoming episodes. As always, if we miss any information or say something incorrectly, please let me know on my Instagram at femicide underscore podcast. I'd also like to mention that this case was quite polarizing, which I'll get into a little bit later in this episode, but any comments on my social media about her life choices, career path, or anything referencing her, quote, deserving it, will absolutely not be tolerated. This was a child that was murdered. She was just 17. And besides that, no one ever deserves to be harmed, especially not for sexualizing themselves, and that includes sex workers. Bianca Michelle Devins was born on October 2nd, 2001, to parents Kim and Michael in New Hartford, which is a suburb of Utica in New York State, which just for reference is about 235 miles or 375 kilometers north of Manhattan and is the 10th most populated city in New York with 65,283 people. Her parents had split and her father was living in Naples, Florida at the time of her murder. She had five siblings, according to her obituary, but I'm not sure if they are all half-siblings, full-siblings, or also some step-siblings. She was very artistic, played the ukulele, and loved her friends and family. 
Her friend, Chels, remembered her as, quote, a sweet person, very caring. She always tried to make people feel good, feel loved, help them when they were down, even if she was going through her own shit, end quote. Bianca also felt quite isolated at times, and her struggles with mental health are well documented. I'm not sure of her past traumas, but she suffered from depression, anxiety, borderline personality disorder, and PTSD. Her family was active in finding her help, and she, quote, had been in and out of hospital receiving mental health treatment for much of her teen years, end quote. It was this isolation and depression that led to her involvement in online communities, where she became a, quote, e-girl, which, if you're like me and didn't know, are gamer girls. So they play video games in online communities, but what apparently defines an e-girl is that they also sexualize themselves in exchange for money and can often sell nudes or thirst traps in order to get money. Bianca also wanted to become a model and amassed over 150,000 followers on her Instagram prior to her death. But her life goal was to help others going through mental health struggles, and so she planned on continuing her studies at Mohawk Valley Community College, which is in Utica and is very close to her home. Bianca had just graduated from high school in June of 2019 and was looking forward to starting the rest of her life. With so much potential, she had the world at her feet. The summer was in full swing when on June 13th, Bianca and her friend Brandon Andrew Clark attended a concert in New York from singer Nicole Dollinganger. Reports from police state Brandon and Bianca were in a, quote, intimate relationship. But according to her friends and her mother, she did not want to date or be romantically involved with Brandon and considered him just a friend. Brandon was 21 at the time, and the two began speaking after he reached out on her Instagram. By all accounts, Brandon wanted more from Bianca and thought she either felt the same way or as though she was leading him on into thinking she had some kind of feelings. Many even describe him as an obsessed fan, so understandably he was not happy when he found out that Bianca had invited a romantic interest to the concert, a guy named Alex. But he was aware that Alex was going to be at this concert And although you can understand why he'd be upset, he really had no right to be upset with her, at least not to vocalize that frustration. Brandon became more enraged after witnessing a kiss between Bianca and Alex. And after leaving the concert together, Brandon confronted Bianca and an argument ensued. Sadly, what happened next is something straight out of a horror film and is not only gruesome, but very disturbing. And unfortunately, no one saw it coming. I'd like to take this moment to thank you for listening to my podcast. The concept behind femicide is very close to my heart, and I hope through these stories we can shed a light on the abuse, violence, and sexual assault that women face daily. This podcast is a 100% woman-run operation. I write, record, and edit every single episode myself. As I mentioned previously, I have recently brought on someone to help with research on some upcoming episodes to help me out and to help continue to share these important stories. To help support me and my efforts, I have started a Patreon account. 
If you aren't familiar with Patreon, it is a membership-based platform designed to allow fans to support and connect with their favorite creators. Sign up today online at patreon.com or via the Patreon app. I will leave a link in the show notes of this episode. As always, I will be donating 10% of all gifts received and memberships each month to various charities that help support women. The charity I will be donating to for the month of March 2022 is Women Abuse Council of Toronto. Quote, Women Act works collaboratively to eradicate violence against women through community mobilization, coordination, research, policy, and education. End quote. Gifts, while deeply appreciated, are not the only way you can show support. It would mean a lot if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review, as it really helps to bring awareness to these stories. And please don't forget to share with your friends and families, because word of mouth is the best review of all. After leaving the concert around 10pm, Bianca, Alex, and Brandon smoked some marijuana in Brandon's car before Alex left, and Bianca and Brandon began heading home. Brandon states that he confronted Bianca about the kiss and an argument broke out, in which Bianca stated she was just using him. Whether that actually happened is unclear. Her friends state again that it was platonic and that she was clear that she was going to meet Alex at the concert and that Brandon knew. Bianca's last stamp on Discord, which she used often, and is, quote, an instant messaging and digital distribution platform. Users communicate with voice calls, video calls, text messaging, media, and files in private chats or as part of communities called servers, end quote, was at 5.47 a.m. The drive home to Utica would have been around four hours, though, so there are a few hours from 10 p.m. to 5.47 a.m. that are unaccounted for, but we can assume conversations and such were taking place. Bianca had also mentioned on Discord that Brandon was really mad about the kiss that she had with Alex. At some point, Bianca fell asleep in the back seat, and this is when Brandon Clark set up his camera on the dashboard of the car and attacked a sleeping Bianca in the back seat with a knife hidden between the car seats. He then filmed himself cutting her throat to near decapitation, killing her. The prosecutor stated, quote, It's not like on TV. He has to get through to the muscle. He recorded all this and he also recorded what appears to be her last breaths, end quote. Following her murder, his actions were quite erratic, and I'm not sure the exact order anything took place, but we do know that he took screenshots of their previous conversations, he called some of his family members, and he even called the police himself. These calls were like suicide notes, and all his family members called the police upon receiving them. To the police, he stated, quote, My name is Brandon. The victim is Bianca Michelle Devins. I am not going to stay on the phone for long because I still need to do the suicide part of the murder-suicide, end quote. Prior to the call at 6.40 a.m., he had begun posting images and video of Bianca's slain body on a Discord server. He captioned the photos, quote, Sorry, fuckers, you're going to have to find somebody else to orbit, end quote. 
Orbiting is a term that is used to describe men who lurk on a woman's social media accounts in the hopes of having sex with her. Worried friends and users began to call police once they realized that the images appeared to be real. One user was also friends on Snapchat with Brandon and used a feature called Snap Maps to pinpoint his location for police. Brandon also posted a series of videos on his Instagram stories, including one of him driving down a dark road with the caption, quote, Here comes hell. It's redemption, right? End quote. And he also changed his Instagram bio to read like a gravestone with the dates 10-06-1997 to 7-14-2019. Finally, Brandon made a bonfire and he laid Bianca's body on the ground and covered it in a green tarp. He then stabbed himself in the neck and laid across the tarp, managing to take and post selfies before police arrived to the scene around 7.30 a.m. In the background, he had a song playing called Test Drive by the artist Joji. Quote, the song describes a failing relationship as the singer looks for something long-term while the girl isn't as invested, end quote. The most disturbing part of all of this was that Bianca's poor family found out about her death through people sending them these horrific images. Of course, police contacted them also, but it was too late. Many weren't considerate or caring either. Some read things like, quote, look at your daughter now, and your daughter's a whore, she got what she deserved, end quote. Of course, many were also kind and showed support, but how disgusting and awful to wake up in the early morning hours to discover your daughter was murdered in such a gruesome way and to have it posted all over the internet and to have random strangers share it with you along with such hateful messages. I cannot fathom that pain. My heart breaks for her family that had to endure that. Her mother later stated, quote, I saw the most evil side of the internet, which was so unexpected. I also saw this amazing compassion where people just wanted to erase the gore, end quote. This is also true for Brandon's family, who endured the same hateful messages. His brother writing, quote, Shout out to all the people who target someone's family and blame them for a person's decisions. Nothing better than waking up at 4 a.m. to find out your brother killed someone and tried to kill himself, end quote. This story was immediately sensationalized and a media frenzy ensued. Theories spiraled and the hashtag RIP Bianca trended. Police in this case stated they believe the relationship to be romantic, as I stated before, and commented Bianca and Brandon, quote, were boyfriend slash girlfriend, whatever kids call it these days, end quote. Again, close friends and family denied this and argue it was purely platonic. I have a few thoughts about this before I continue. This narrative that if a woman is nice to you, then she somehow owes you something has to stop. It's not leading someone on to be friends, especially if you've made it clear that you are not interested. Regardless of whether or not Bianca and him had a prior anything, which I don't believe they did based on her friends and family statements, but even if she did previously, 
That night, he went willingly with her, knowing she was meeting Alex. So to get upset she kissed him isn't fair and shows to me that Brandon felt like she belonged to him in some way. I was a server and worked in bars for over a decade. I cannot tell you how often it was perceived that I liked someone because I was friendly. This happens constantly in the service industry. We are paid to be friendly and provide service to customers. And sure, real friendships do come from this. I have many, and I have enjoyed talking to many customers in the past. I even met my current long-term partner from being his bartender. But I began talking to every single customer because I was paid to. And that's not being mean, it just literally was my job. And I think some people forget that. For me, I find it hard to talk to people I actually like or find attractive. So those people, I get shy around. People I'm not interested in, I can talk much more easily to. And this is what gets misconstrued. And that's fair. You have a crush on me and I talk to you a lot. I get it. But the issue comes when I verbally state, sometimes on multiple occasions, that I'm not interested romantically, but the advances continue. If you do not want to be just friends with a woman who says they just want to be friends with you, then don't be her friend, period. It is not on the woman to date you because you think they owe you because you feel they led you on. This also leads into the narrative I see a lot, and it even trended last year on TikTok. But that's this concept of just be nice to men. They're hitting on you and you don't like it? Just be nice. They are following you down the street, catcalling you? Just be nice. They are making unwanted sexual advances? just be nice. That this behavior is somehow supposed to be perceived as complimentary, and so we should just be nice. This is an extremely dangerous way of thinking, because again, being nice is also leading them on. So picture this, a woman dressed up at a bar with her friends and a man is hitting on her. She says, thank you, but I'm just here for a girl's night. That should be enough, right? She was polite and she said no, but it's never enough. Often it leads to comments like, she wouldn't be there or dressed up if she didn't want male attention. He may come back multiple times to chat. He may try buying her drinks, which again, makes him feel like she owes him something. Finally, she will say she has a boyfriend because that's the only way to make it stop. And he will either leave or tell her she's lying until he can convince her to give him a phone number, which will likely be fake. And if he's really good, he will call that number in front of her just to make sure it's real because he's gotten a lot of fakes before, which is definitely a red flag. Yes, this sounds weirdly specific, right? But I guarantee most women have encountered a similar, if not exact, story in their life. So what happens when the man follows her out of the bar? gets on her subway train, or offers to share a taxi. Should she be nice and unintentionally let this man find out where she lives? When do women finally get to say, fuck off and leave me alone? When is that appropriate? The best advice I could ever give my younger self would be that you do not have to be polite to anyone who is making you feel uncomfortable. Sure, some industries require tact in speaking to clients or bosses, 
but we do not owe politeness to anyone. And a firm voice goes a long way. Of course, the fear of them retaliating, such as Brandon did, is real and is also a large factor in women being told to be nice. A user online named May wrote, quote, Tragedies like this are the exact reason why girls are afraid to reject guys. They fear his reaction. They fear losing their life due to a man's inability to handle rejection. So he lashes out. Stop fucking taking our lives because we said no. We have every right to say no. Hashtag RIP Bianca. End quote. I know this was a long sidebar, but these are just my experiences and I could go on and on about instances during my serving years and early 20s especially and just other situations that have happened to me. I'd like to hear your experiences and keep these conversations going. Again, leave a comment on my Instagram at femicide underscore podcast or my Facebook discussion group. And I also have a TikTok account now as well, which is a great way to stay connected with me and this community. I also have a pretty large issue with a 21-year-old trying to be romantic with a 17-year-old. Whether she was turning 18 in a few months is irrelevant. And yes, at that age, it doesn't feel that weird. But once you are older, you do realize how problematic that is. At 21, you're in college, nearing graduation, or you've been working a few years. At 21, I was living on my own in the big city and working full-time. To date someone still in high school would be very odd. And yes, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, and I know that her parents were active in her online friendships, and they were very involved. I know that they met him many times, and her mother is quoted as saying, quote, He seemed like a very nice kid. He was very polite, end quote. I just wish that her parents intervened in some way, and I know she didn't want a relationship, but even as a friendship, I find that part still just, like I said, problematic, and I don't see a lot of talk about it, so maybe it's just me, but yeah, that part really bothers me. I also learned he initially said he was 19, which again, if he lied then, he knew it was weird, and so I think he should have lost contact at that point. In the end, Brandon did not pass away from his injuries. He was in critical condition, but he survived his stab wound. It was determined that he had looked up ways to incapacitate someone, arteries in the neck, and various searches for how to kill someone and different methods. It was argued he planned the murder due to his searches and the equipment he brought to film the murder, but he was charged with second-degree murder and initially pled not guilty on July 29th, 2019. He then changed his plea on February 10th, 2020 to guilty, and then tried to have that plea reversed on June 2nd, claiming his lawyer failed him. But that was denied because he had admitted guilt. He was finally sentenced on March 16th, 2021, to 25 years to life in prison. In prison, he had written a letter of sorts, bragging about the murder and how it felt to kill someone. He also wrote, quote, He couldn't handle the thought of her walking out of his life, end quote. He was also charged with promoting prison contraband after a shiv was found that he fashioned out of a toothbrush. 
Kim Devins, Bianca's mother, is working with Congressman Anthony Brindisi to pass Bianca's law, which, quote, if passed, all social media platforms with more than $10 million in revenue and over 100,000 monthly users would be required to establish an office dedicated to identifying and removing violent content that violates the platform's moderation standards, end quote. Their goal is to increase action against graphic content. A version of the law was passed early this year in January 2022 in New York State, which makes it a crime to, quote, post, share, or publish personal images with the intent to degrade or abuse someone who has been the victim of a crime, while also causing emotional, financial, or physical harm to the victim or their family, end quote. To further keep Bianca's memory alive, her family created a scholarship fund for students pursuing a psychology degree. Her mother stating, quote, Bianca is much more than those photos. She's much more than her death. She is much more than a murder case. She is an artist, a sister, a daughter, a friend. And her bright light was taken entirely too soon, end quote. Thank you for listening to the story of Bianca Devins. I'm your host, Sean Marie. Join me next time for another story.